Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1,500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This is the High Hopes Podcast. High Hopes. It's a bunch of baseball nerds talking about the Phillies on Radio.com and Sports Radio 94 WIP. of the High Hopes Podcast. Jack Fritz, it is a Phillies that won four straight. They swept the freaking Brewers are in first place. And yet again, for the first time since the start of the season, two games above 500. Jack, I'll, I'll quote Jack Fritz here. Uh-oh. Who's letting the Phillies get hot? Don't let them get hot. What a bunch of morons around Major League <laughs> Baseball. Letting this team get hot. And James, let me just say one thing, and that is this. We don't care how they played because ultimately the most important stat is a win, baby. 4-0, that's the most important analytics I know. Oh, my God. I mean, that's really all that analytics is, right? Wins and losses. That's how we judge things. Here's my concern. Here's my concern. And it's for one one of our guys, someone we love. A potential fan of the show. We don't know. We know his son. We love Pat, a fan of the show. I'm worried for Tom McCarthy because here's my worry. Uh-oh. The, the Phillies are so hot right now. Jim Nance is a free agent. Like, mm. who, where else is Jim going to go but, you know, to come call Phillies games? I'm worried for T-Mac with Jim Nance out there lurking. Well, uh, as we all know, uh, <laughs> got it in t- early this time. How about you, that? You t- I didn't. I didn't see this coming within I the first know, two, two minutes of the podcast. I know. I know. But, 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 what I will say is this: T Mac, also part of the CBS Sports family, I think he might welcome it. 
Oh, good point. Maybe T-Mac can do the Masters and take over for Jim and all that. Clever. Yep. Clever. Yep. Right. I, th- I think he would be pumped about it. Well, we had to make it special, and I think the Phillies knew that because uh, I don't know if people could tell. I can tell. Um, we're going to find out how the audio sounds, but this is your first podcast in your cavernous mansion that you moved into. I know. I know. So uh, I'm sorry if it sounds echoey. There's not much up here besides me. It's at the very tippy top of our house. So it's a little hot. So if you to can... me, it sounds like you're literally in the middle of the Grand Canyon by yourself. It's great. Well, I mean, that sounds like a dream. Imagine being by yourself <laughs> in the middle of the Grand Canyon with the Phils being yes, Florida and yes. getting hot. Yes. But um, yes, yeah, so I am doing this podcast from uh, the very tippy top of my new house it is uh it's hot up here because if you I don't know if you know this james but um heat rises and <laughs> if you can t- <laughs> we're great at science here you know yeah, of course yeah. i knew that because our track record in science related things unmatched is right yeah you know. right so if you if you sense by the end of this podcast that i am a little uh you know starting to overheat it may it may be the Phillies run that is currently happening right now and how hot this baseball team is, but it could also seriously be me overheating. So um, one or one or the other, right? It's only one or the other. That's it. So um listen, spirits are high. I've been freaking smiling for the last like two and a half hours. I've completely I I have attempted to get over Mickey being brought up, brought down, brought like it's just toying with my emotions. Um He's down in Lehigh Valley right now. That's okay. I mean, just let him get consistent at bats down there. But Phil's are hot. We're excited to be here. Brewers stink. <laughs> Let's have a podcast. Yeah. You know who stinks is Craig Council. Like, uh, we've been bitching, and rightfully so, about Joe Girardi. And, and we'll get into Not that I'm sure any baseball games actually happened last weekend, so I, there's nothing really there to get into. But, you know, in the Brewers yeah. game, they won the game, but, you know, maybe a little lineup card. What the – we don't curse on this podcast, Jack, type of thing. But, um, like, even as bad as Girardi's been, Craig Council was freaking awful. Like, hates bunting. Like, two spots in two straight games where it's like the eighth inning, they're down a run, he's got a runner on second with no outs, he doesn't bunt. It's like with bad hitters at the plate, Jack, we're not talking about Christian Yelich at the plate. Like – I, and then of course, you know, council not using Devin Williams or Josh Hader the entire series, like in one one run games, like cool. While we're rolling out Matt Moore and Eniel De Los Santos in the seventh and eighth inning in high leverage innings, Jack, um, I like, let's just start with the, the, I can't believe they won four straight. I can't believe they're actually two games above 500 after that, like what felt like a year of win one, lose one, win one, lose one, win one, lose one, win one, lose one. It's nice to see the Phillies put something together, Jack. <laughs> yeah. 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 And we're yeah. gonna we're gonna we're gonna completely ignore how it happened, the uh the Eniel de los Santos of it all or the uh the one hit after the first inning last night and just say, Hey, four no. Oh. <laughs> um, two base runners. You get five <laughs> runs in the first and you somehow win a game getting two base runners the rest of the game. You're like practically no hit. It's terrific. I know, I know, I know, but it's all well worth it. All that matters is the wins and losses, and you take them when you can get them. You know, James, I don't know if you've ever heard this uh, old saying, but, hey, it's hard to win games in this league. So You're right, and and and, and no less one-run games, Jack. One-run games. I know, and, like, 
What's that about? I, Eight? What, seven straight one-run games? Yeah. Like, that never happens. That's crazy. And again, it's like, why does it always have to be the Phillies? Like, I know. I know. I know we, we've talked about this in the past, and we've talked about how we obviously don't watch every other Major League Baseball team. But it sure damn well feels like the Phillies always play the most excruciating baseball games possible. Like, what other normal baseball team is just like, hey, you know what we're going to do? Yeah, we're going to reel off seven straight one-run games and then today <laughs> and then today, not get a run to the seventh on a bomber homer. Like, I mean, it's just – they're the <laughs> just the weirdest baseball team. Uh, uh, and, yes, uh, Craig Counselor, not great. Not a great weekend uh, or not great week. And I would just like to say that this is all Ben Harris's fault. Um, ben Harris, who is now with the Brewers from the Athletic, um, it's all his fault. He's ruined baseball with his analytics, and um, you know that that show this weekend, not playing small ball and not getting you know the best reliever in the sport in the game, and Devin Williams. Yeah, I like that. Let's blame Ben Harris. That seems like a good uh, tack to take here. And like, look. They do a good job developing pitching. Uh, I'll take Ben to come over and get our, <laughs> yeah, get, our, get, our get our pitch. I mean, even the bad relievers are better. But look, uh, like like here's what matters. This team, like we're sitting here. It's it's May six. It's you know tomorrow's May seventh. Like we're we're creeping closer to June first, and this team is not to your point. Like what you just talked about, this team hasn't been very good. Like they've been fine. Like they've been pretty much average, right? Like 500, as we talked about, win, one, lose one, win, one, lose one. And to be sitting here on May 7th with everything that's gone wrong, with a center field position that, like, historically bad through the first month plus of the season, like, you assume, assume that whatever they end up doing at that position, assumingly bringing someone in, like, that by the end of the season, the center fielder's not hitting 100, right? Like, you assume, like, Alec Bohm, like, has been incredibly unlucky, but also has not been the Alec Bohm we expected to see. Joe Girardi has been a, a a disaster for the most part. Like, look, Joe Girardi might not be the all, you know, amazing thing we thought he was going to be, but he's not bad. Like, Joe Girardi is not bad. So, like, he'll get better. Like, things, there are a lot of things on this team that you can point to and say, and Segura being hurt, and like, you know, there are things you can look at and say like, all right, they're going to improve. And and Dave Dombrowski, if they're good, if they contend, is going to add players at positions of need, which there clearly are. Like, they're still in first place, Jack. Like, that's that's the crazy thing is as, as mediocre as, you know, hole-ridden and like massive giant holes that we've ripped apart as they are. They're two games above 500 and they're like, you know, semi-comfortably in first place in their division. Like... You know, that's something. Right, right. And uh, before we go any further, I just want to point out that if it sounds like I'm not fully enunciating my words tonight, (laughs) it is because I bit my lip and it's bleeding (laughs) and it hurts and I can't fully get through what I'm saying without being very deliberate. So it sounds like. (laughs) What's funny is I didn't even know. Like, I, I, I noticed nothing, buddy. 
I'm sitting here like trying to fully get through like no, saying oh, a word, man. and then like I'm like, you know, it's so it's like you're, a you're saying this is your bloody sock game. That's what you're trying to just. No, put this out like there. realistically, this might be the most gritty performance on a podcast <laughs> we've seen in <laughs> a long time. So, um, yeah, it's so funny. I love because- how you bring it back to you. Where, you know, where I'm like, wow, the Phillies finding a way to be in first place with all these things kind of working against them. And you're like, yeah, but my lip, man, my lip. Yeah, listen, the Phillies are struggling with, uh, you know, the bats, and I'm struggling with my lip right now. It there feels like go. I have a bubble on the inside of my uh, <laughs> inside of my mouth. So here we go. But we uh, are all thinking about you, Jack. I know. Yes. So I just, I just, I didn't want people to think, hey, you know, Jack sounds terrible on this podcast. I wanted to explain it. You know, I want to get sometimes, James, you got to learn this in, in the profession that we're in. You got to get ahead of the story. You got to get yes. ahead of the story. And obviously, <laughs> obviously, the story out of this podcast is going to be, wow, Jack sounded really bad. <laughs> What's new, buddy? <laughs> just another day at the office. <laughs> just another day at the office. Um, but hey. Let's get it back to the fills here. Yes, yes. Enough, enough about me. How let's about this? Let's let's make you sound good. Let let's put you in your in your happy place. Your okay. your trust tree. Your your spot. Let's talk about Zach Wheeler today, and we'll get to everyone mm. else. But but not just today, but also like we've seen three starts from him this season that were better than anything we saw from him. I mean, the cumulative of what he was last year was very good. The ERA was great and all that, but like in terms of dominance, in terms of hit and miss stuff, all that, like we've already seen three starts from this year where he has been better than anything we saw last year. And even today, it felt like he wasn't even like 100% as sharp as as he could have been. Um what are your thoughts on Wheeler and like kind of what he could be cuz he outdueled a freaking awesome pitcher today like brandon woodruff is like a top 10-ish guy in the league and he outdueled him today but i think zach wheeler i all right i think brandon woodruff's better but i think zach wheeler's right there with him you know i i didn't watch those two today and say you know what i i think wheeler's just kind of pitching above his head i think he's right on line with brandon woodruff also i did think it was hilarious uh did you catch the beginning of the game at all um it, like he throws like six straight balls and the trainers are like, oh, well, oh, I know. Something. I know. And then he throws like eight straight <laughs> strikes. And he's just like, yeah, okay. dude, I, at one point, at one point he had thrown like 51 strikes and 21 balls. It's like, Oh, okay. So he's just perfectly fine. He just had a bad to it. Like he was so bad for two batters that the Brewers came out and they were like, Oh, he's got to be hurt. <laughs> I, know, I know. Um, no. And Woodruff well, is it was just, like the same thing. We'll get to it. But like the same thing with Freddie, uh, yesterday, like Freddie, I mean, we all know Freddie Peralta is freaking nasty. And like, he was nasty for the rest of his outing, but they got on him in that first thing. They were kind of able to take advantage of him when he wasn't fully Freddie. Totally. Totally. So, um, but with Wheeler, he's one of those guys that you can kind of tell early what stuff that he has. Um, and I don't think it's a coincidence that Nappy was behind the plate today. Um, <laughs> I, let's just put it kind the, the, the day after JT makes this like unbelievable athletic play to swipe tag fat Dan Vogelbach at the plate, jumping up and like a play that like, like 1% of catchers could possibly make. And you're like, yeah, but Nappy, better game caller. Well, 
JT is a very good defensive catcher. He's not a very good game caller. No, There's, it's fair. There can it's be, fair. It's fair. There can it's be fair. two different sort. But um, like the thing that I love about here's here's the, this is what's been my problem with JT and what I like about Nappy is that Nappy consistently sticks with the fastball and makes sure that those guys are comfortable with it. They can spot it to both sides of the plate before working in the other pitches. The first three innings today, I don't have the numbers on me, but it felt like 80% fastballs from Zach Wheeler, whether it was a, whether it was his four-seamer, whether it was a sinker, or whether it was that, that cutter-slider thing that somehow is still like 93 miles an hour, which is ridiculous. But like, f- for you to pitch deep into games and for you to, to, to be a good major league pitcher, you have to be able to spot the fastball at both sides of the plate. You see it with the Grom. I mean, we literally saw it with the start here where it was 24 straight fastballs. And it's like, holy smokes, this is different. And guys still can't square him up. That's when Wheeler's at his best, when he can spot the fastball early, both sides of the plate, and then work in the other stuff. Because his curveball is not great. He doesn't have great – he can't command it very well. Um, but when you play it off of being able to, to, to spot a fastball in the outside corner, spot a fastball in, and then drop the curveball in, it's good. Change-up, same thing. Like, his change-up's not great. It's a fine pitch when it's working off of his fastball. Um, but it's not going to it's not gonna be the pitch that it could be if his fastball is not – where it needs to be. We see this every single time with Aaron Nola. Aaron Nola needs to, to, to command both sides of the plate with his fastball early, or else if he doesn't have it, then when, that's when we see the, the like three curveballs in that bat and two change-ups in that bat. Like that's not when Aaron Nola is at his best. Aaron Nola is at his best when it's fastball both sides of the plate. So my problem with the JT called game is that he tries to get cute too often where he tries to fool hitters with off-speed stuff when it's like, yo, stick with the fastball and, and stay with it and then work in the other stuff off of that, not try to fool hitters off the time. Sometimes the fastball is good enough. And what Wheeler did today, um, when I looked in the seventh inning, he, he was like 65 to 70% fastballs, whether it was a fastball, four-seamer, or a sinker. And that's a good plan of attack for Zach Wheeler. It's freaking 98 miles an hour. Use it. Like, use it. It's 98. Just stick with it. It's a good pitch. It's hard to square up, all of that stuff. So, I mean, you can, you can tell early, though, when he's off. Like, if he's able to come out and spot the fastball, it's going to be a good day. If he can't and he's you're seeing – if you're seeing three curveballs in the first inning, it's probably not going to be a great Zach Wheeler start. So, um, but but from, from, from Jump Street today, fastballs, fastballs, fastballs. Because you want to know why, James – that Brewers lineup stinks. Yeah. And you better just attack them with fastballs. I mean, they had the Taylor guy batting three today. Yeah. No. I mean, just, just, it's, just it's not a, great. Yeah. There are guys, you know, we always kind of talk about, joke about how, you know, we watch every Phillies game, but, like, we also watch a lot of baseball. Like, as we're talking, I'm watching Pablo Lopez pitching the Marlins uh, Diamondbacks game. Pablo's, Pablo's the Jack Fritz guy. I love Pablo. I own him on a fantasy team. Maybe thanks to you, maybe not. Um, but, um, like, we watch a lot of baseball and stuff, so um, I 
that Brewers lineup has guys I've never heard of, man. Like I, I'm in multiple fantasy leagues. Like they, they had guys I, I'd never heard of in that lineup. Like that's not often and certainly not often for a team that came into the series 17 and 12 and in first place or whatever they were like, you know, like, and obviously their pitching is great and that's why they can compete and stuff. And, and Yelich went healthy. Like their lineup is, is banged up and something we saw it that one night with Yelich and Kane. I mean, still not good. Um, but I think it's a great point. And also, Wheeler, the thing about his fastball, too, is it just it holds, man. I mean, like, his 117th, 118th pitch was 97 yeah. miles per yeah. hour. Like, in the ninth inning, like, 100-plus pitches in, he's still dialing it up like that. And I actually, look, I joke around with you about the JT stuff, but I actually think that's a really, really valid point. Like, Wheeler's best pitch is his fastball. Like, that's it. Like, that's his best weapon like why wouldn't you use it more often and work off it it really does make a lot of sense and you know when you compare it to the nola stuff it's interesting to watch because i i do think look i i mean jt is the best catcher in baseball for a number of reasons I, I, and and and, and, again, and I, I know you're not disputing that i know you're not but i do think this is an interesting thing to watch because it could be like something he needs to work on you know right and, and again like i'm very happy jt's here he's like Hitting the crap out of the Dude, ball. He's been awesome. Like, he's in the plus nine hundred OPS. <laughs> he's been awesome. He's been unbelievable. Um, and the defense stuff, obviously, you know, the wild pitch in, in St. Louis was not characteristic. I'm just saying, like, he doesn't call a very good game, and it's something that you know I hope that he works on. I mean, he's obviously a student of the game, but sometimes I think he, I think he thinks of how to get himself out rather than catching a game and calling a game using the pitcher's strengths. Like, um, I don't know. It, it's, it's just something to, to monitor. And, and, and personally, I think Nap calls a good game. I, I have always thought Nap calls a good game. You know, when I watch games, I kind of, when I watch, when I watch games, I like to kind of go through the sequences with, with the pitcher and like, and just try to like say, I would go this year. I would go this year. Um, I don't know. It's just how I watched and I think it's fun. And, it feels like I'm more in line with the nap game plan than I am the, the JT game plan. And, um, I, I think, I think nap has done a really good job this year. Obviously he's not the best at the plate, but I mean, you saw it today. I mean, uh, <laughs> he literally just put nine innings of shutout ball for the first time since, since 2014. I mean, that says something about the guy they have behind the plate. So, um, yeah, it was a, a beautiful day. And, but you know, with Wheeler, I, I still don't trust him start to start, you know? I mean, like I, th- I think he's always going to give him a good, a good solid performance, but, like, I don't know if I trust him to make the jump to where I can expect, like, seven innings, three runs or less or whatever. And, yeah. like, kind of do what aces do. Like, he's still, he's still not consistent enough for me. Um, like we always saw with the, the 31 pitch first inning the other day and he did bounce back. Yeah. That wasn't a gutsy performance to have that four run first inning and still go seven and only give up those runs. Like I was impressed with that, but I, I agree. Like he's not, you know, he's not that elite level of guy who you feel like every single time out is likely going to give you either a totally dominant effort or a, a really really good out you know i get it i think it's a fair criticism but i do think just this version of wheeler that we've seen this year is better than last year's yeah definitely definitely and i do think that uh a lot of that has to do with caleb gotham um 
Yeah, you know, we, buddy. Well, because Wheeler yeah, was... Yeah, buddy. It was hilarious quote at the time, but, I mean, part of the reason that he said he signed here was because he liked the Phil's analytics department. And I don't know really what that consists of, but um, obviously we know Cotham is a uh, driveline kind of, you know, it's funny. He's, he pitched in the major leagues, but he also believes in the driveline stuff. So it's, I think it's like almost a perfect mix, um, but definitely into the data and given Wheeler's propensity to like the data stuff, I think a lot of his success right now has to go to working with a guy like Cotham and, and helping him kind of get to this next level. And it's funny, like I talked about how his, his 99 never felt like 99, but this year, whatever adjustments they made to his fastball to increase his spin efficiency, it really, you know, feels like a legit 99. All right, so since we last talked, Nola's been Nola. Chase Anderson, you know, is what he is. Vinny. Vinny giving Vinny. us the best outing we've seen from him in a while. Look, I'm not at all expecting anything from Vinny, but but what did he what did he do in that outing that they can try and replicate? Like he was really good. Like, you know, he he pitched really well in that game. <laughs> yeah, and like listen, I would love to say here's what he could do to replicate it again. But <laughs> it's just we've seen it too many times. It's like yeah. we've seen him have a good outing and then be Vinny again. That's exactly. the problem. Yeah, exactly. Well, so that, that's like, the problem. That he's part of the rotation right now, too. Like, that's a a hole, Jack. Well, first off, I mean, like, Matt Moore shouldn't shouldn't see the rotation over Vinny. Agree. Agree. Yeah. I, and that's crazy. And look, I like yeah, the quote about Matt Moore. I saw Destiny Legardo tweeted out that was like, you know, he's like, I just want to be a part of this team wherever they want me, a long man, bullpen. Like, I don't care. Like, I haven't been on a good team in a long time. This is fun. And I thought that was really cool. I appreciate it. But, like... He's clearly not someone who can start games for you. And in reality, like, he's probably, like, he should be what David Hill is. Like, David Hill, like, what David Hill should be, excuse me. Because David Hill's somehow getting high leverage innings still for this freaking team. David Hill, not a major league pitcher. That is very clear. That guy should not be on any roster, much less a a potential playoff contending roster. But, like, Matt Moore should be what David Hill theoretically is. A guy you can bring in kind of... In any situation to give you, like, if you're getting, if you're losing 8 2, give Matt Moore the ball. Let him give you a 3 4 inning. Whatever, that kind of spot. But, like, and I know he had to take down, as Gabe would say, high leverage innings the other night. And look, Matt Moore did a good job. The leadoff walk gets a double play, strikes the guy out. Like, nice job. But um, I, I think Matt Moore theoretically should be what David Hale is supposed to be. <laughs> uh, and, and instead well, david hale is like joe girardi's child or something he's like i gotta get him in in in, in massive high leverage spots so yeah cool. i don't know i don't know if that's the best uh sentence you said you know you know I what don't... i mean what david hale should be like the matt moore should be the 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 mop-up guy like he should be the guy in your bullpen who's there for those spots where you just you know either are, are way behind in a game or you know, you're up seven runs and you don't want to waste an arm. Like, he's that guy. Like, that's who he should be right now. So you're saying that shouldn't be uh, Spencer Howard in Colorado? That, Dude. Shouldn't, that shouldn't be him? Dude. Um, Dude. <laughs> Dude. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I know. What a... what a Girardi's weird. been so bad. Like, Girardi's been so bad. He's just been bad. Yeah. Like, I it mean, is what it is. Yeah, you know, I, I, it's, he's only managed this game for... This team for 92 games. 91 if you if you don't count his, you know, graduation night. Because I guess he really didn't manage them that night his daughter's graduation, but like, so I'm willing to give him time. Like I said before, but like, you'd be fooling yourself to say he's done a good job. 
Yeah, I I haven't been like a fan, but ultimately it comes down to, um, it comes down to making you know you know making pitches, uh, and and doing jobs. I mean, you saw it the other night with with the Matt Moore and and uh, and any old Los Santos. It's like. Okay, well, listen, some guys, sometimes guys have to step up. I mean, NEL hadn't been the big leagues in two years. Yeah. Um, Pumping and, it at 96, Jack. Yeah, I'm not. I, <laughs> no, it was, he almost gave it up. It was first and third, two outs. He hit a guy. It was, it was terrifying. He got through it. Matt Moore, a much cleaner inning. Yeah, well, he got lucky, too, with a, uh, dude, <laughs> with a dude, double play. It was all lucky. It was six lucky outs as far as I look at it. Yeah, it was one of those nights where the baseball gods were like, you know what, you yeah. guys deserve this. Yeah, you, you, you know what, you we feel this. bad. We've, we've, been, we've been pretty hard on you guys lately. I know. It's just so funny. Like, if we did this podcast two days ago, you know, we're destroying Well, think about Yeah, I mean, as we should have been. Again, dude, like, I know that the, the, all the excuses we're hearing in the you know computer and blah, blah, blah. Like, that's bad on Girardi, man. Like, this guy's been a manager in, in the big leagues for, like, you know, what, 15 or, you know, for a 15 year period, you know, a year with the Marlins, 10 with them, a couple years off with, with the Phillies now. And he played in the league for, you know, well over a decade. Like that's bad on Girardi. That's like a lack of attention to detail. That's a lack of uh, systems in place to check things like all that type of stuff. Like that's bad. You know, he, he should feel like an ass for that. Yeah, and it was definitely bad. It's just like I care way more about pulling Nola after of you know, course eighty pitches, of course, and, of course, or whatnot. or bringing David Hale into three straight high leverage situations. Like, <laughs> yeah, seems how about like a that? Mistake. How about that? I mean, how about that? <laughs> you know, like, I know, no, I know, and and ultimately, like the thing that made me the most mad about the Eniel uh, fiasco or debacle um, was that Coonrod had to take down five outs, I which. Know. I know. I mean, and, and that could. I mean, obviously, it took him out of the next two games, so yep. they couldn't use Sam. And they had to do the same. I mean, Hector, obviously, the forty pitch inning the night before he's out because of it, and like, you know, then you've got your your basically with, you know, those two in Alvarado. You're you're honestly only three relievers we really trust trust with R.G. Hurt and Connor. You know, kind of, you know, hit or miss right now in terms of when he can pitch. And I don't blame him too much for that rain outing. Like that was a tough spot. Like it was oh, yeah, pouring. Yeah. Like I, I have faith in Connor Brogdon, but like, you know, when you have Coonrod Neris or two of three or four guys you trust, like, and they're just out for a couple of days because of what they had to do. Like that's a tough spot. No, it is. And, and, and I, I get it. Um, but here's the thing is that if you manage your way into a situation where, in back to back nights, you yep. need your guys to get you yep. five out saves. Like that's a problem. Yep. That's 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 not good. So yeah, and it, the it, bench. I mean, this guy runs out of players. Like it's like, like I've never seen anyone so obsessed with double switches. It's like, oh dude, ridiculous. you don't always have to do a double switch. Like, it, man, like relax. Well, and, and, and two nights ago, he double switched so much he had to double switch Hoskins out of the game. I mean, again, the game the like, other night in the eighth inning, he was out of players. Like, it didn't go to extra innings. He's lucky, but it certainly could have. It was a one-run game, and he was out of players in the eighth inning. Like, that's hard to do. Yeah. Now, my hope is this, James, and I, you know me, I will always look at the glass half full. No, not you. Not you're, me. You're always doom and gloom. Yeah, but, but it's just... Really, this is the first time he's been in the NL in yes um, since the Marlins. Fifteen years, yeah, no doubt, no 15 doubt. Fifteen years, yes. so it's a fair I get point. It. 
it, it might take time. Uh, obviously, kind of like it cool was, as Jets a little. It's like I get to do double switches again. This is so cool. He's like Nick Sirianni with his double switches. Well, listen, I just like that Joe Girardi has a passion for the NL game like I do. And it's clear that he's addicted to double switching and he's God, to, like, I miss the DH. Uh, bring me the DH. Our team. How? Our How team, do you miss the DH? Need, like, uh, forgetting the fact that, like, there is no team in the, the world that could use the DH like this just atrocious defensive disaster team like the Philadelphia Phillies, the ability to put Reese at DH and move Bohm to first, like whatever else you do is just such a massive defensive upgrade for your team. So that alone is like huge, but also it's like pitchers suck at hitting. It's not fun. It's not, and double switches aren't that fun, especially when it's Joe Girardi doing it with no seeming strategic advantage just because he wants to freaking do double switches. I mean, I totally disagree. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, uh, I, I actually have enjoyed the whole pitcher's hitting thing. Oh, again. stop. And I've enjoyed the uh, the bunts and all this stuff. Yeah, you're talking to the wrong guy, pal. This I is, know. This is not the, the right guy to have this conversation with. Like, Trust me, sure. I know. Listen, when I, I was know. arguing for the DH, I didn't know the Phillies were hiring a manager that was addicted to, to, <laughs> DH, to double switching. Um, so like, yeah, I don't, I don't think I like double switching as much as Joe Girardi does, but, um, if you're going to listen, you, I love it. I love NL baseball. And honestly, I am like, I'll get over it, but I'm sick that this is going away next year. Like, it's just such a more interesting product. And like, I guess it's, you know, it's kind of like you're rooting, not rooting, but you want to see if your manager can handle it. And I don't know. I just think, I think NL baseball is more fun. I Again, not not happy that my manager loves it so much, but um, other than that, it's just it's just a more fun product. It's, it's the National League Baseball is the thinking man's game. We've talked about that a lot, and um, I'm gonna miss it next year. Um, yeah, I'm sure it's so right. overrated. I can't wait. It's uh, <laughs> bated breath to get rid of this. This listen, is just listen. horrible. I think what we're learning here, and correct me if I'm wrong. Um, but and everyone you said I love baseball and you don't really love baseball or something stupid like that. Is that what you're saying? Correct <laughs> me if I'm wrong. Um, and the people can correct me if they if they want to. But uh, James doesn't like thinking critically. Yes. And yes. I yes. very much like thinking yes. critically. Yes. The guy with on the podcast with the master's degree hates thinking critically. Yep. Oh, dude! That's congrats, it. congrats on paying money to go back to school. Awesome! <laughs> You're such a dick. <laughs> <laughs> you are such a dick. I enjoyed it. It was fun. You know why? Because I did a school? lot of thinking critically, Jack. How about that? Wasn't your thesis on? Wasn't your thesis on like sports radio or something? No, my thesis was on how sports have intersected with the world, like politics and pop culture and all that. It was a, a three-part podcast series about sports and and why they matter, Jack. Well, that sounds riveting. Yeah. Do you want to go work at the Ringer or something? <laughs> Dude, I did this. this was a decade ago. Like, what are you giving me crap for? Only a decade, huh? Actually, a little less than a decade. It was like eight years ago I did the master's. I, I, I started grad school 10 years ago in August. You know what I was doing 10 years ago? You were a child. I was dominating learning the Rochester High School baseball you were lear- You were learning how to drive, probably. No, I was 18. I was a professional driver at that point. <laughs> oh, big time. Look at you. Look at you, professional driver. 
right, it's quickly. Um, uh, yeah. Because we mentioned that, first of all, let, that, can we quickly, like Dave Dombrowski definitely had some clear misses this offseason. Like, you know, I don't know, Matt Moore and Chase Anderson. But, 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 make some trades, Dave Dombrowski, because getting Jose Alvarado and Sam Coonrod for Garrett Clevenger and Carson Ragsdale is like two unbelievable trades. Like, how do you get those two guys? Sam Coonrod has been amazing for this team, Jack. Well, we don't slander Carson Ragsdale around here because <laughs> one member of this podcast did compare him to Dylan Patances, so that felt like a shot. Um, but uh, that was also apparently – well, the Coonrod trade happened before Dabrowski was hired anyway. Oh, so really? Yeah, that was the that was strictly well, Ned Rice in the analytics. I was also going to say before that actually I should – I was going to say before, you know, not to give Matt Klintak credit, but now I guess is either Klintak or whoever making that trade, but also like – the Zach Wheeler contract is looking pretty damn awesome right now, too. So just, you know, throw it out there. And Alec Bohm did hit a go-ahead home run today. And and Aaron Nola is an ace that they got for $45 million over four years. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. coming around on Matt Glenzak. Mm-hmm. And he hired Brian Barber. And they brought in all the driveline guys. Mm-mm. I don't know. Mm-mm. <laughs> but there's also countless- He wanted to keep Gabe Kapler. Well, might have been. <laughs> Imagine Gabe and Caleb Gotham together. Uh, all right, I got a question for you. Oh, quickly, mm-hmm. quickly, before I forget. Um, and then I got a question for you and some other stuff. But um, uh, Quinn Hurt, um, who in the world taught this guy to bunt? Like, I mean, what are we doing? Dude, I was watching it. I was like, I swear to God, I, I who was a pitcher my whole life, was taught how to bunt better than Roman Quinn. Of course you were. We all were. I was taught in Little League not to hold the bat like that when I'm bunting. Like, what was that? And especially, Dude. like, this guy. This guy should be a freaking savant at bunting. Like, this guy should be like Brett freaking Butler. Like, he should be able to put the ball wherever, drag bunt, like, drop bunt, like, do everything with a bat you could possibly do because that's what his, like, best skill would be. Like, this guy could, could get on base all the time if he were a great bunter. Like, and he, and he doesn't even know how to hold the bat right, Jack. <laughs> yeah. Um, here's the thing. Roman Quinn is not a very smart baseball player. No. I mean, no. the guy's been thrown out at third base more times than uh, I can count. Uh, with two outs. Like, with two outs, no less. Right. So, yeah. yeah. I mean. And the, yet he's better than Odubo Herrera, which is like, how about it? I disagree. I mean, I disagree, but I, 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 the thing that sucks, the thing that sucks, and like, I don't want to root for a duple at all, and I wish he wasn't here, and I wish his leg was just permanently caught in the, uh, <laughs> in the, in the fence the other night. Like, I mean, he did have, he hit the ball hard today. Oh, Whatever. wow. That, he hit the that's ball all hard. I have to say. I don't, I don't like rooting for him at all. I wish he, he wasn't here. He's bad. All that fun stuff. All right. Well, well, here was where I was going with it. And obviously, you know, Romy Quinn hurt, you know. Drink. <laughs> what else is new? Drink. Uh, but but the whole Mayton to center field thing, like, where do you stand? First of all, obviously, Mayton has cooled off a bit, but, like, you know, he's been a nice find for this team this season in this spot. But, like, what are your thoughts on Mayton, the player, but also the idea of taking someone who's never professionally played the outfield and putting him in center field with, like, a couple weeks of practice in, in drills and stuff, like... 
I don't know. Like you're more of a of a you know you play baseball at a higher level than I did, but like that seems ridiculous to me. And look, there's some natural athletes, some guys. And look, you've if you've played baseball your whole life, you've you've fielded out out you know fly balls before. You've shagged fly balls. You've done all that. So it's not like totally foreign to him. But like this just feels like a stretch to me, Jack. Yeah, um, you know what though? Like here's the thing. Is I've watched Brad Miller play right field. I've watched him play left field, and he can't. He he's a terrible. He's horrible, player. horrible, like, horrible. Like Nick Maton would be one thousand percent better than that. Just because he's um, young and athletic, he has that basically right. Like he's he's definitely athletic enough to get the job done. Like there's there's no doubt about that. So but, right, if he were in left or right field, I'd feel better. Like we're talking about center field. Yeah. No. And. I, but but I, in my gut, honestly, James, in my gut, I think he could do it. Wow. I think I, right. I do this think is, this I, is making me feel better. Because look, I'd rather him in lineup than any of the the guys that are rolling out there. Obviously. Yeah, I mean, it would be nice if he got more than a hit this week. But mm-hmm. um, he honestly, can't win them all. honestly, they might not win that game if he doesn't have that at bat today, where he got eleven pitches and and really grinded out against Brandon Woodruff. I mean, that that jumped Woodruff's. Um, pitch count from like 75 to 86, I think, and got him in the 90s heading into the, the seventh. So um, that was actually a pretty underrated, important part of today's game. But um, I just think he's athletic enough. I think he's athletic enough. I've, I've seen his movements in the field. I've seen his instincts going back on balls. And it wouldn't be the best scenario, um, but I think he could do it. If they asked him to do it, I think they would do it. But I really just think – and I, I just think they're a na- I think they want to duple out there. And I think until he proves them otherwise, like he's going to be out there and it's unfortunate. Um, but I, here, the dilemma that they are, that they're going to face is Segura's back tomorrow night. Um, Brad Miller has to stay in the lineup. Like has to, has like, to, do you, has do to, you, do you really want to keep Maton up here to get four bats a week? Or do you want him to go down to the minor leagues and, play every day and, and keep him fresh in case there's another injury. Like I almost would rather do that because that gets him more consistent at bats, keeps him hot. If there's another injury, then they can send him, uh, they can bring him right back up and he should be fresh enough to play rather than just grabbing him off the bench. Like being a bench player takes a long time to get used to the routine and used to getting in that spot. Brad Miller's got it down. Our good friend, our good friend, Kevin Franson obviously got it down. Like, but it, but those guys have been in the big leagues for a decade or five to ten years, whereas Maton's a rookie. So if I'm them and I'm weighing, do I want to keep Maton up here because he's obviously one of the 26 best players and he would make our team better? I get that. But also, I don't hate the idea of sending him down, leaving him in AAA, and letting him get consistent at bats, and then if something goes wrong, then bring him up here rather than just sticking him on the bench and saying, hey, you're going to get four bats this week and sometimes be a, uh, a substitution on defense when Girardi decides to double switch. So it's, it's a tough decision, but I lean more towards the, uh, the AAA. Yeah, I get that. I do. It's just it's hard to say when you're a team that's trying to make the playoffs and has a disastrous bench. I mean, like, let's be real. I mean, it's horrible. I mean, Matt Joyce, I was I was in. I was in for Matt Joyce year 15 or whatever. Like, whoops, that guy stinks now. Like, he's cooked. Like, Matt, and he's hurt now anyway. But, like, 
I mean, like they don't. Ronald Torres is, is not a, a major league quality hitter. Like he's a fine defensive <laughs> no. player, but like he's not. Like so, like I get it, but they're so thin, man, and like organizationally thin. Like they can't just say, all right, like, like otherwise, you know. Maytime wouldn't be the only one. Like they don't have guys that can just cycle in and say, all right, well, you're our new bench guy and you're going to be good at it. Cause you can hit like they don't have those guys. And that, that's a, that's an issue. And I think roster depth is a real issue for this team. And obviously I think they're going to fit. If they can stay in this and compete, I think they'll fix it with some moves and there are moves to be made and, and positions that can be helped. But I mean, I don't know. I get the point. Uh, like, developmentally, certainly, I get the point. And also just the idea of keeping him kind of locked in. But I don't know if they can afford to. I get it. I just don't know if they can afford to. I think he might be more valuable as a pinch hitter, as a pinch defensive player, as a guy who gets to start, you know, a couple times a week if you can get him in center field, whatever. So I don't know. I don't know. It's a it's a tough one for me. I, I get what you're saying. Um, but, you know, I'm a, little, I'm a little conflicted on it. Um, well, I think that, honestly, I think, I think the bigger decision is what happens when Bryce is back. Like, well, that's what I was about to. I was, uh, we haven't even mentioned the fact that they did this sweep without Bryce. Like, that's it's pretty exciting that we're getting Bryce Harper back. I can't believe they didn't IL him. It turns out they probably should have and, and just not had him play in that Sunday night game. But, um, you know, Bryce back soon would be huge. Well, some are saying uh, better without Bryce. <laughs> not me, buddy. Not I, not I, not I, not, never. Not one I would of those never people. say that. Uh, I'm just so bummed. He was so, it's the most locked in we've seen him, like potentially since he's been here and certainly uh, to start a season here. And uh, Yeah, but he only missed a week. No, like, I'm not worried about missing. Like, it's just a bummer. You see it re-locked in, re- the timing, all type of stuff. And, and, you know, getting hit in the face is no joke. So, like, I'm just bummed about it. Like, he'll be fine. Well, he did get thrown out of a game. Yeah, that was fun from the bench. He's locked in. That's true. So, uh, yeah, uh, the Bryce coming. It's another decision that's going to have to be made. So, um, well, because well, I, br- I bring that up. Sorry, I bring that up because you know if Bryce comes back and Segura comes back tomorrow night, let's say, I mean, what do you do with Brad Miller? I mean, do you do you? <laughs> and uh, you brought this up on the midday show today, and I thought it was fascinating. But I mean. Bryce has played 187 mm-hmm. games in center field. I mean, you put uh, and I, again, I don't want Bryce in center field. I don't think he's a center fielder, but you could easily make the case that their best nine is with Bryce in center and yeah. Brad Miller in right, and you just sacrifice the defense well, for the for the offense. Especially if we're talking about putting like I, we were just talking about putting a guy who's never played outfield professionally in center field. Like I'd much rather have Bryce out there, and and it's obviously a better offensive lineup with Brad Miller than Nick Maton. Like. Look, you know, obviously you have to talk to Bryce, see if he's willing to do it. I have no doubt he would be because, you know, we know he's a friggin' team guy and he's here for the next decade no matter what, you know. So, or, you know, they could trade him all that stuff. But you know what I mean. Like, he's not looking to leave. He's not, like, trying to get a new contract or anything. Like, there's no reason for him to not do it. Um, So, I I think it's... (laughs) It's certainly their best offensive lineup, without a doubt. And if this team's going to suck defensively anyway, which, I mean, I don't... I don't see a, a fix, a quick fix, like even bringing in a one player at a position, like a, a center fielder who, you know, Mitch Hanniger or someone like, you're not getting that much better defensively that it makes a massive difference. I think right now, like Harper and Miller make the most sense. Actually, what a world. I'm, I'm, I'm all in on it. It's it, that That's the new high ups position. Bryce Harper, center fielder. 
and then we'll put Brad Miller in right. Um, all right, I have one more question, two, two more things for you, and then we'll go to the take bag. Um, one is a quick one, but I just, I have to shout out that the High Hopes poll that was put up, which was um, essentially if you had to pick one of these three guys to get, you know, to pitch an inning for you. Was it an inning or an out? I can't remember. It was an inning, right? Uh, no, it was to get an out. To get an out. Get okay, point. yeah. One, yeah. One of the three, who do you pick? And it's it's David Hale, Heath Embry, and Brandon Workman. And I, I bleep you not, I sat there staring at it for five minutes before I answered. Because, like, it was, like, on so many levels. First of all, it's a great question. Like, just if you look at it from a baseball sense, like, forgetting how much they've hurt us and our souls. Like, the, it's a great baseball question because they're all pretty equally crappy, you know, and certainly were as Philadelphia Phillies. Um, so that aspect of it, then the aspect of just the pain I felt thinking about each of them and what they've done for us, ultimately, and I want to see where you came down, I think I have semi-confidently landed on Brandon Workman. And I, wow. I don't feel good about it, obviously. Neither do I, but I have to say I agree. He is he has closing experience in the AL East. Uh, <laughs> the other two are just absolute scrubs. Although, although he's a scrub I, too, but he's I think the least scrubby. Although I think he was the first one of the three to be released by their uh, new team. So yeah, it's something. I mean, David Hale should yeah. be released though, so that's not fair. Yeah, like David Hale. David Hale should has pitched well enough to be released. Um, all right, last thing I have for you, and then we'll go to the take bag. Um, I was thinking about it, and because like we're kind of like you know, look, I, I, I've been looking at the positives, you know, because Phillies won four, per usual four straight. You might not know that in first place. You might not know that, and like, I really do love this top three. And we talked about Wheeler. Obviously, we've talked a lot about Nolan, and everyone knows who's listening to this pod how excited we are about Zach Eflin, and he's backed it up so far. And I was going through the teams in the National League, and like, there are other teams that have way better fours and fives and just way more depth and all that type of stuff. But like, in terms of if you're just taking each team's top three, like, there's an argument to be made that other than the Dodgers, they might be the best top three. Like, it's a it's a question of how much you weight Degrom being a part of of the Mets top three. You know, do you take the Padres top three over them? Like, there are a few few ones that are real. Tough. I mean, the Brewers, another one that you would you would talk about. But, like, I think there's a chance if we're just going three, Nola Wheeler and Eflin are, are really up there in the National League, Jack. Yeah. Uh, Castillo's obviously been terrible for the Reds, but I still like those guys. Yeah, I mean, Gray, um, Gray looks awesome again, so. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, even, even the fact that we're having this conversation kind of shows how good these guys have been. And um, what I like the most is – and I, I don't have the stat off the top of my head, but I did see it today, um, that Wheeler is number one in the NL in innings pitched. Eflin, I think, is number six. And Nola is number nine in the NL in uh, in innings pitched. And you're getting, you're getting length out of these guys, which you need, especially when your four fives are Chase Anderson and Vinny Velo. Um, but, like... Legitimately, I mean, those three have been great. Eflin, like, I, it's crazy where we are with Zach Eflin. Like, I just think of him as one of those guys. Yeah, I, think of him I trust him. I trust him. Yeah. I just trust him when he takes the hill. Also, his walkout song is uh, a Lumineer song, and it's, like, such a calm song. I'm 
so surprised it's a walkout song, but I guess <laughs> it uh, it relates to him and what he's been through in his life and all that stuff. Yeah. So well, and, I get and it. we've talked about he's clearly a super good guy who like seems thoughtful and 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 like a good human being. So that's cool. Yeah. So and he's yeah a great guy. And yeah. Would love to if we could if we could have yes. I think uh, if we could have one guy on the High Hopes podcast, it would be him. Yes, at this point. I, I agree. Uh, I. Sorry, uh, there was a guy. Uh, I mean, it's it's. <laughs> I guess that's not happening. It's May seventh, so you know whatever. Zach Eflin. I mean, and obviously Mick is our our favorite, our guy, our number one. Of course, yes, but yes. like it, the number one Philly we want on is Zach Eflin. Let give us Zach Eflin, and obviously yeah. look, Bryce, if you want to come on, I'm just you know. Just, I mean, look, if know. Bryce wants to come on, I mean, say thanks. But like Zach yeah. Eflin, we love you. We want you on the pod. Come on the pod, Zach. Um, all right. Take back. Yeah. So, uh, good amount of stuff in the take back today. Uh, I'm just going to go top down, top, the old top down the, approach. The old top to bottom. That's the, a T to B, I like to call it. Yeah. I, I genuinely, I genuinely love how the Mets fans are handling Lindor. Oh, oh it's great. Like, it is so, so short sighted. It's so short sighted and outstanding. I mean, it's not a surprise when you see the videos of, of Giants fans reacting to the Devontae Smith pick and then, you know, how Mets fans are handling Lindor. Like, you know, New York fans just can't handle it, man. I get it. Yeah, it's just so funny. Like, I saw a picture today of uh, them and him in uh, their AAA <laughs> hat. I mean, it's just amazing. It's awesome. It's it's just uh, awesome. It's so sad. Like this guy's generational. I love it. Well, could used to be generational. Yeah. No. And now he's bad. You're right. You're right. He's a Met now. It's what it is. So obviously, and I feel like, and and James, this might be another high hopes position um, that we're running by you. Ooh. Um, I love when you but, throw him out there and just we'll find out. I think that this podcast is Hector's protectors. Um, Ooh, you know, like so. We, so going back to our old, if they had the you know wolf pack and the you know the um, the Padilla Flatia and all that, we would go as Hector's protectors. And because I feel like it's deeper than those fan groups, like because this is like the onslaught of Twitter and uh, callers. Um, I feel like we have to protect Hector Neris because Hector Neris is definitively good um he has like an era of 1.8 and is striking out over 11 guys per nine and walking less than three per nine like can we please leave Hector Harris alone um I just I don't get why every day has to be a discord it's, it's almost as annoying as is the is the uh is Aaron Nolan ace conversation like I think I genuinely hate the Hector Harris one more um but I will say I will say if he does falter here i do think coonrod would be a really good closer just from the standpoint of like he comes in he's fired up he's like excited to be there he tried to fight the mets he tried to fight the cardinals i don't know james i like that in the closer um so if hector does falter here i will endorse sam coonrod for the closer position yeah coonrod definitely has that feel dude like he's he's like fire and brimstone and i love it and also you know that the 97 to 100 on the rag is you know yeah it helps for closers um but the phillies closer is hector naris and hector naris is a damn good baseball pitcher and 
potentially the most maligned for bad reason guy in this city. Like for some reason, it's like people are just waiting for him to fail. People are just like, anytime he gets the save and people are like, well, he went on those base runners. It was scary. I thought they were going to lose. Like, but they didn't, they didn't lose. He got the job done. Like, do you remember Brad Lidge? Do you remember life on a Lidge? Do we all, were we there for that? Like 48 for 48, you're damn right. But guess what? A ton of those were scary as hell too. Like, closers are scary, especially when they're playing all these one-run games. Like, it's going to be scary. It's going to be tight. I am Jack, official high ups position, Hector's protectors, official high ups position. Hector is a damn good baseball pitcher, official position. We're sick and tired of this. Like, it's enough. Like, Phillies fans are too smart. Like, we're too smart to, to think Hector Neris stinks. When we have real pitchers here who stink, when we see real pitchers who stink all the time, and last year saw tons of real pitchers who stink, like, please, enough with the Hector Neris. Hector's protectors. Let's go. Yeah, it's just, it's just, it's just insane. Like, Hector is good. And now he's starting he's to throw good. a slider more and more. And the fastball's up back up to 95, and the split is... The split is the split, but... And dude yeah, just gave just, us a five-out, 40-pitch gutty save. Like, come on. Like, enough already. Yeah, and everyone's like, ah, well, what about the bases loaded? I know. It's like, oh, my God. I know. Oh, God. What a, yeah. And I disagree with you on Phillies fans. Moving on. Um, <laughs> All right. Well, yeah, you're right, because high well, fans are definitely not the ones yes, saying there's this. There's a difference. Uh, there's there's a, a difference. That's fair. There's a difference. It's fair. Um, I thought Vinny Velo smacking Yelich on the butt on the way to first base was hilarious. <laughs> it was great. It was terrific. Like one of the most underrated Vinny. V- like he yeah. was so cocky. Dude, I he mean, was feeling Vin- it. You pointed out to me. I hadn't heard it. Jack comes in the next day of where it worked the next day. And he's like, did you hear Vinny's postgame speech? And I was like, no. He's like, you got to listen. And I listened. And like, he's dropping S-bombs. And it was just, he was like feeling it. He was like, my, my bleep was good tonight. Like it was, you could tell like Vinny was... And he seems like a good guy. Like all the the crap we've given him over the years. Like he's always seem he's always been there. He's always answered questions. He's always took it like a man. And he and he seems like a good guy when things are going good. And he seems like a positive guy to be around. So, yeah, that was fun. Yeah, yeah, I uh, yeah, <laughs> it's funny. I like Vinny a lot. Um, and yeah, I it, it, he's obviously frustrating, but overall. Overall, he's a good dude, and he tries hard, and he just has been frustrating. And I get it; I I I fully get it. Um, but his changeup was actually awesome the other night, so I hope he uses it more and more and more. But who knows? Um, so I have this this working theory that I, I'm excited to uh, kind of see and see how it develops. I but love the unveiling of a theory. Big fan. I I love that they are in this much one-run games. I know it was excruciating for the time being and sitting there and watching it and, like, wanting to pull your hair out, but, like, it should be good for team growth Mm -hmm. that they're in as many one-run games and the fact that if they're good in them, that it should give them the trust in themselves that, hey, we're good in these games. We know how to win these games. We've been in that and, like, I looked at the top five teams in, in one-run games, like, in 2019, back when baseball was real. And it was all the teams. Like, every team that won 95 to 102 games was in the top five. Yeah. So, um, 
I think it's important, and I think they got to figure out how to win these games. And the fact that they are kind of winning those games is is good. And I, I think getting it out of the way early, hopefully it can lead to more success as the year goes on. I love this take, uh, this theory. I was actually going to mention it before when we talked about the seven straight run games, like a variation of it, the idea that that – what I was going to say is every year, and it's anecdotal, but you just confirmed it with last year at least, or you know, two years ago when they had a real season, that that every year the teams in the playoffs, when you're watching playoff games, are always like, and the Diamondbacks were 35 and 15 in one-run games. Like you hear it every year. Like every year those teams that played in a bunch of one, that's not even enough one-run games. They're usually even more than that. But like like the the teams that play in a bunch of one-run games and have good records, good records in one-run games. And yes, there's luck involved. It's a year-to-year thing sometimes and all that. But like, I agree with you. I think it matters. And to your point, I think it builds that like muscle memory of like, we know how to win one-run games. We know how to gut these games out. We know how to come back when we're down a run and get a one-run lead and hold on. We know how to lead five to nothing in the first and hold on for dear life and win a one-run game. Like, I do think that stuff, especially as it accumulates, matters yeah and we I are think on the same that... page tonight man this is uh like too agreeable almost i know <laughs> i know but it, it has been uh you know a little while in between pods so it's true you know, i don't yeah it's true. so um yeah no but i think it's something to monitor going forward i don't know if it's going to completely translate over uh the team has been frustrating but hopefully that they can start believing in themselves as uh you know you know a team that can win close games um I bought MILB TV, James. I, uh, <laughs> well, let, let's tell everyone what you did. You were at work, and you turned to me and go, hey, should I, should I spend the money on MILB TV? And I was like, my response to you was, I'm shocked you haven't already. Like, I don't even know what you're asking me. Like, just do it, of course. Yeah, yeah. So I'm all in. Uh, I'm excited to watch some Phil's minor leagues. Yes. And, uh, yeah, it's just it's just it's just getting more and more nerdy as we go. Watch along. my but, boy. I need I need weekly Casey Martin updates. I'm I'm that's my guy. Hashtag my guy. Well, he had walked in three straight plate See? appearances. Of course and he did. He, yeah, but then he struck out in three straight. So, well, you know, he's yeah. a, you know, even out, you know, it evened out. Hey, that's Speaking a of, that's a uh, it's a 500 on base percentage. Jack, think about it that way. About that. Speaking of uh, things that actually matter, Mick Abel was up to ninety-eight point five miles an hour. Ha, ha, ha. Yeah, and he had a uh, he had a max a max spin rate of twenty-seven hundred RPMs on his fast on his four-seam fastball, which is freaking ridiculous. So, um, I, you know, I couldn't be more giddy for Mick Abel. Uh, I just I'll leave it at that. I'm not gonna jinx him. I'll try not to jinx him. But yeah, keep him out of the bio. All that good stuff, please. I mean this. Please. I mean this. Please, I mean this from from everyone, most, please. And most importantly, Mick. But I, I mean this in the most sincere way possible. The day Mick Abel makes his major league debut, <laughs> I will shed a tear. No. Like there is no doubt in my mind, I will shed a tear. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Let's hope that he's not making it for like the Royals, right? Don't even <laughs> say that sentence right now. That's the most. That's the worst thing you've ever said to me on this podcast. He won't be. He's not even Dombrowski. Dombrowski's Mr. Power Pitcher, Jack. He would never let this guy go. He's going to trade Casey Martin for, for someone and break my heart. That's what's going to happen. 
Yeah, whatever. Um, <laughs> but 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 Mickey, and also uh, we had our first uh, start shot of the season tonight. Oh, Bryson Stott hit his first dinger, so that's exciting. Um, bu- 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 do you think that um, John Middleton was right for not trading Zach Wheeler for Babe Ruth? I mean, what has Babe Ruth done lately? Kind of hard yeah, to argue. This, the, I mean, Zach, as we all Zach know, Miller's been great. So. As we all know, Major League Baseball is a what have you done for me lately league. And personally, Babe Ruth hasn't done anything in about 60 yeah, years. Yeah, so. really long time. So I feel I feel pretty good with Zach Wheeler at this point. Good good non-trade yeah. by uh, Way John to go. Middleton. Look at Middleton. Savvy John. And my final uh, take from the take bag, what do you think about uh, a gently used Albert Pujols for the bench? <laughs> Another reason we need the DH. I will say, I, I like the Angels, who are in last place uh, yet again. I know they're not far out. They're like 13 and 16 or 14 and 16, something like that. But, but like, in the last year of his contract, you paid this whole freaking contract and, like, you cut him now? Like, I, I don't know, man. Like, I probably would have just let him have his last season and... Let it, well, let I him think go to he the was mad that he was mad that he didn't play the other night or something uh, against. Is that what it Ryan was? Yarborough. No, I don't know. Either way, he can't field anymore. So no, I, I'm uh, I'm out. Uh, but again, Come like on, to man. be fair, I mean, we talk about the the uh, team we have. He'd probably fit right in. He he could be a better first baseman than Reese. I mean, you know, anybody could. Yeah, but I'm talking about I'm talking about a right-handed power. No, look, honestly, bench. sure. Yes, you're telling me, okay, pinch hitting situation. I can have Albert Pools or Ronald Torres come up. Yeah, yeah, I'll take yeah. Albert Pools. We're cool. Or Nappy, I love you, Andrew. Nap, especially right-handed Nappy. Like, yeah, I'll take Pools. All right, all right, there it is. Let's get on the sign pool. The horn, Hashtag Dave. sign pool. Should we start all tweeting it? <laughs> sign. Sign <laughs> so just like sign JT. Sign 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 pools. Yeah, why not? Hashtag why not Albert? That's um, good too. Yep. Um, yeah, but Pujols just so unfortunate with where his career went because, yeah. I mean, 2000s Pujols was the best year I've ever seen him. Yeah, life. I was going to say he was the best year you've ever seen. Barry Bonds was the best I ever saw. And, like, you got the end of Bonds, but, like, you didn't really see the, the heart of Bonds. But, like, Bonds the best I've ever seen. Pujols the second best I've ever seen. Mike Trout, you know, right there. Like, he's on his way to being in that group. But... But Pools is the second best hitter I've ever seen in my lifetime. Flat out. Like he's I mean that run. I mean you should, if you want to take 5 minutes and if you're I, I was about to say if you're a baseball nerd, uh, you're listening to this podcast, so you're a baseball nerd. Just look at his baseball reference. Like look at what the guy did year to year with the 350s and the 45 homers and the, you know, 100 plus runs RBIs every single year. I mean, he was like his nickname was the machine and it was the most deserved nickname you could possibly think of. Like just what a monster. Yes, and uh, I, I'm kind of put you on the spot here, and I, I'm sorry I did that. But <laughs> the are you really are off, you really sorry? Are you sorry? His not? his home run off of Bradledge is still the furthest ball I've ever like <laughs> ooh, seen it. Oh, do you got do you have one that tops it? I mean, I don't know. Like the Pujols, Pujols off of Lidge was the was the most crushed I've ever seen a baseball. Oh crushed. my god! As certainly in terms of moment and spot. I feel like I feel like it has to be. I mean, like there are a couple Stanton shots that I can think of that had a similar feel to them. Um, 
Obviously, the Matt Stairs homer. The, yeah, well, duh. I think it's probably the most crushed. I, I think it's right there. Like, I'm trying to think of, like, old school stuff that I might not be thinking of. But, man, he murdered that baseball. Like, I'm not sure it's landed yet. No, and honestly, it's, it, it, it might be the only reason we had Brad Lidge in 08. Yeah, it's true, actually. That's a really good point, Jack. I, I don't even know if it might be. Like, it probably is if things go differently. Yeah, I mean, he was not the same pitcher, and no, it like crushed him, and and he was, and he couldn't pitch there because of it too. Like there was that whole like aspect of it, you know. Yeah, imagine if that happened here. Oh my god, dude! Oh, I mean, it kind of did, Mitch Williams. So yeah, and Billy, Wag- <laughs> Billy Wagner not being able to get over to the people who were booing him for not throwing a hundred. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's a that's a different one though. Um, but yeah, I. Uh, I'm gonna miss Bulls. Uh, he was he was awesome to watch. And and look, I mean, the career is gonna go down as one of the best you know careers we've ever seen. Like you know, he's a, a 300 hitter essentially for his career. Like if he hadn't had the last few years, he would have been over 300. You know, it was like 667 home runs, like 3,000 hits. Like he's got everything. Like every and and won a couple World Series too as the best player on World Series teams. Like you know, he's got everything you look for in a baseball resume. Yeah, the Cardinals won two, two. with him. Yeah. Oh, six? Oh, six and 11, oh, six? I think. Oh, oh five or six. Yeah, the, oh, six. They made the World Series in 04, yep. obviously, yep. and lost the Red Sox. Yep. So. Good job, Albert. Good job. Yeah, happy trails, buddy. Assuming you don't Although we could use some power off the yeah, bench. I'll for, take it, man. For, I'm with yeah, you. Yeah. you. You made a compelling case. I caved pretty quickly on it. It would just, it would honestly, it would just, you know, make up for the Ryan Howard for our pool holes trade <laughs> from a couple years ago. That's a good point. I like that point. Um, all right. Uh, you got any final thoughts before we get out of here, Fritzy? I don't have any final thoughts. I just think this was a gritty podcast performance. And, oh, uh, I, I had forgotten. That's how good I you know. did. That's how good you did. I couldn't even you know, tell, I, buddy. I, again, I, I don't like to make things about me, but. Um, I think this is a very gritty, gritty podcast. <laughs> I just can't wait moment. to hear if, if it sounds like you're in a cavern or not. I'm hoping not. It'll be good either way, I think. Yeah, me, me too. I'll get closer. <laughs> it to did get less cavernous during the recording, for whatever that's worth, at least for me. So who knows? All right, cool. All right, my final thought, beat the Braves. Like, beat the freaking Braves. Like, you don't have to sweep, but, like, it'd be cool if you did. But two or three, all right? And also, like, let's win some freaking games on the road. We got a freaking 10-game road trip coming up here, right? I mean, like, in fact, in fact, they have 10, then 6, then another, like, eight, like 18 of their next 24 games are on the road, Jack. Like, this is a team that's 13 and 6 at home. We know what the math is, you know? Not great on the road. So let, let's take two or three, man. Like, take two or three in Atlanta and get this road trip going. I'm saying. Yeah, honestly, that sounds horrible. I'm so not excited for this road trip. <laughs> Me neither. I mean, it's a big one. So you got the, the Braves, Nats, and then Dundee to face the Blue Jays. So at least we got a DH in those games, Jack. Yes. Great. Give it to me. Great. Give it to me. All right. Um, Sunday night baseball again, which like enough already. All right. People, yeah, we'll see, we'll see if they, we'll see if we do those. People people night. have jobs. Okay, you know, there's an off day on Monday. We are letting you know now. We are recording on Monday. You will not get a podcast Sunday night. I apologize. But I have to work early, and it's late for me. But off day Monday, I promise you have my word. Is that fair to say on Monday we'll record a pop? We're good with that. 
Uh, depending if the game is awesome. Yeah, look, if they sweep and if it's like a crazy game, we'll be there Sunday night. Don't get me wrong. If 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 we let's put it this way, if we need to be there Sunday night, we'll be there Sunday night. If it's cool for there on Monday, we'll be there Monday. Is that fair, Jack? Gotta be honest. I think it's gonna be cool that we're there Monday. <laughs> oh man, he's Fred some seltzer. We'll see you later. Hey Flyers fans, it's Al Morgani here. I want to tell you about my new Flyers podcast, South Philly Sauce, along with Ashlyn Sullivan. We break down the ins and outs of the team while also bringing you the best interviews with players, coaches, and media members. You can hear the new episode every week, twice a week, on the Odyssey app or wherever you find your podcasts.